Welcome to the Agents of Innovation Podcast, where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation Podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and this is now episode 43. We are just marching along with brand new episodes with incredible guests, many entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. And today we have uh, another great entrepreneur um, who sort of fits a lot of different categories. Her name is Georgia Pellegrini, um, a woman of many talents. If you haven't heard of her yet, you probably soon will. Uh, she's actually has a brand new television show that premieres on June 23rd on the channel Destination America. Her show is called Wild Food. Uh, the uh, the first pilot episode is going to be on at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Central on June 23rd, and we're going to hear a little bit more about that and about her. Um, she's she's more than a show. She's a brand. She's Georgia Pellegrini. Uh, so anyway, you're going to hear more from Georgia in just a few moments. Also, we're going to feature um, a song called The Pioneers. Um, I thought that would be fitting, uh, considering George is kind of a pioneer, and you're going to see her out uh, across America uh, uh, getting some wild food. Um, and so uh, we have a song called The Pioneers by Nicholas Roberts. Uh, Nicholas was our guest on episode 42 uh, local Orlando musician, and um, uh, we're going to play his song, uh, The Pioneers, uh, at the conclusion of this episode. So look out for that. I um, want to continue to uh, ask uh, you to spread the word about the Agents of Innovation podcast. Uh, we are on all the social media, and you can find all that at our website, agentsofinnovation.org. Links to the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that from there. We also put up a blog post for every episode, including the one you're about to listen to. Um, and all the archived blog posts are also at the agentsofinnovation.org website. Uh, don't forget we're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Um, you're probably listening through one of those right now. If you're not yet subscribed, please subscribe. You'll be the first one to get the alerts when the new episodes uh, hit. And also, you know, uh, subscribe your friends. You know, pick up their phone, subscribe them. Uh, never hurts to do that. They'll, they'll just find new educational sources in their life. Uh, and, and I'm sure they'll learn a lot from some of these amazing guests we have. So sit back, stay tuned, and we've got Georgia on our mind. I want to welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, Georgia Pellegrini. Georgia, welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you, Georgia. And uh, where are you today? Today, I am in Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay, and I understand that you, um, on any given day, could be anywhere. Um, <laughs> you, you, you mentioned that you, uh, uh, you often, uh, you sort of have a home pad in, in, in Austin, Texas, but... Uh, yeah, I'm a person you, of the world. <laughs> Depends person. on the day. Well, and that makes sense because you really are a person of the world, uh, all things, whether it's uh, uh, teaching people uh, how to, how to um, cook some simple... Uh, meals uh, that are just amazingly delicious, or whether that's out uh, doing uh, what you call modern pioneering, uh, <laughs> whether that's the adventure getaways that uh, that many people, especially uh, some of your female fans, uh, have uh, sort of um, asked you to take them on, um, or whether it's um, television programming that you're now doing, or even media appearances that you've done all over the place. I've seen you've been on uh, Jimmy Kimmel and 
you were on the Today Show, um, and you've just been on all sorts of uh, media. So tell me, uh, Georgia Pellegrini, who are you, and how uh, did you get to have this incredible life? <laughs> who am I? Gosh, that's a deep question. Um, well, you know, my career is sort of a strange thing to explain to people because it's my life that I ha- has somehow turned into a brand. And, you know, it really stemmed from a lot of soul searching for me. I grew up in upstate New York on the same land that my great grandfather lived on. I actually uh, went on to work on Wall Street for a short time after college and was very unhappy. And it was in that sort of moment of unhappiness that it forced me to figure out what I'm doing when I am happiest. And for me, it was about finding a way to get back to my roots, get back to where I had grown up uh, and learn to use my hands again. So I actually enrolled in culinary school and became a chef. And that was a pretty far cry from my days on a trading floor. Um, But it also, you know, was the same crazy hours and a fraction of the pay and, but didn't feel like work in the same way. And so it really stemmed from finding a way to use my hands, being a chef. And then from there, it's branched off into many different types of media. I began writing books. I, I wrote three books in four years and um, then began, like you said, doing all different types of media, whether it's television or speaking engagements. Um, I host experiences called adventure getaways and other workshops uh, for people to sort of roll up their own sleeves and, and find their own personal fulfillment and, and do what I describe as getting outside your comfort zone. So you, uh, you went to school uh, to basically uh, have a career on Wall Street, is it would that be right? <laughs> Well, you know, I think it was the path of least resistance coming out of college. I I was an international relations major, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do other than I had a summer internship at Lehman Brothers. We all know how that went, Mm. uh, that bank. But, you know, when you're a poor college student and they offer you money, it's it's alluring. And so I I accepted a full-time offer for when I graduated and pretty quickly realized that wasn't going to – it was going to feed my bank account but not my soul. So, you know, I've come across plenty of people who, you know, they right out of college, um, you know, they'll, you know, may, may not be the first year, but within a couple of years, I mean, they're making some pretty good money. And um, and then five, 10, maybe 15 years later, they are just um, they're sort of stuck. What are they called? The golden handcuffs, you know? Exactly. Um, I, I like saw they, that everywhere. Yeah. They feel like they've, you know, hey, I, this is what I'm used to uh, making income wise uh, and I'm kind of stuck in this, um, well, they feel stuck because they look around and they don't know uh, something that maybe they're passionate about um, or would be more passionate about, but um, they're going to have to take uh, either a pay cut or a really major life transition, and they're just not ready for that. So, um, I mean, you were just a couple years out of college when you uh, decided you wanted to do something different? or Yeah, so I, I realized very early on, and I, I guess maybe I was, I'm lucky that I was sort of had the foresight at such a young age. And I realized that I, you know, now that it was going to be harder and harder to leave the longer I stayed and that there was no better time to take a risk than when I was young and I had very little financial obligation. And I looked around me and I, and I saw these people that were much older than me. uh, And I didn't see anyone that I wanted to become when I grew up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and so I realized, you know, this, it, this may be for some people, but um, they were trying to sustain a lifestyle that they had created for themselves. And that's where they were trapped. And 
I realized I wanted to design a different life for myself. And my dad used to always say to me, do what makes you happy and the money will follow. Um, and he always used to also say to me, um, uh, mastery doesn't create passion. Passion creates mastery. So when you're feeling truly deeply passionate about something, um, you begin to master it because it's what gives you flow. What gives you, it's what gives you joy. Um, and so I kind of, with that in mind, plowed forth and uh, started to design a, a very different type of life for myself. So when you say uh, designing a different type of life, uh, and then earlier uh, you mentioned uh, you were you really went back to your roots. I know you mentioned you grew up in upstate New York. Uh, what was it uh, that made you really think, okay, I'm, I'm working here, uh, whether it was at Lehman Brothers, uh, on Wall Street, uh, I imagine the financial field. Uh, what was it like? What was it? What was the first step? I mean, you, you, I guess was it going back to culinary school, or, or what was it that you really? What, what were the roots you wanted to get back to? Um, so I grew up getting a lot of dirt under my fingernails, fishing trout, needing it for breakfast, living off the land. And I, I think, in looking back, I was fortunate in that that was my upbringing, and I had access to that. And um, I had so just the concrete come... jungle of New York. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think for me personally, I had a more creative spirit in me that was not being exercised. And, um, I describe it as manual literacy that a lot of us have lost touch with. You know, we're all very good at, at technology and we all, we're all good at surfing the information highway these days and living in this sort of virtual reality. But I wanted to get back in touch with things that were more real and lasting and tangible. Um, and practice manual literacy. And for me, I thought about what am I doing when I'm happiest? And it was always when I was around food or cooking, those were the greatest memories and greatest joys of my life. And well, I don't know about I, the cooking on my end, but definitely when I'm around <laughs> food, uh, I'm, I'm yeah. very, very happy. Yes. And what I say is people can disagree on so many things in the world, politics, religion, ideas, but at the end of the day, we all love to eat and breaking bread with people around a table is the great unifier. And so what a great life to be able to, to be able to bring joy to people in that way. Um, so I just took a leap of faith and I enrolled in culinary school. So um, culinary school, how did now, what, as you were concluding that or working your way through there, um, what was your sort of next step in, 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 dis, in sort of taking the next leap with a career? Well, I began by slaving away in some kitchens and they were you know, famous restaurants, well-known restaurants. Um, and it was really grueling, really hard. And interestingly, I, I had a lot of experience being on a grueling trading floor. So it didn't feel, I think I, I was already a bit used to that kind of environment. Um, a professional kitchen is not that different from Were a trading floor. Were you still in floor. New York? Yeah, I was. I was still in New York City at the time. I actually did ultimately um, work at a restaurant club called Blue Hill at Stone Barns, which is right outside of Manhattan at a Rockefeller estate. It's a famous restaurant with a working farm attached to it. And, and that felt more close to where I wanted to be in the sense that I was, you know, harvesting the vegetables and then cooking them. But at the same time, I was still cooking food that was for people, you know, cruising up from Manhattan, extraordinarily expensive, uh, tiny food in the center of big white plates. It was a bit precious still for me. And it wasn't really um, tied to the kind of um, philosophy that I have around food and nature and being outdoors. And, um, interestingly though, at that time we had to kill some turkeys for the kitchen for the restaurant. 
And that was a watershed moment for me. It, it woke up this part of me where I felt like this made sense. You know, if I'm going to be an omnivore, if I'm going to be a meat eater, I really want to participate in this cycle of life from beginning to end. As a chef, I want to start from the very beginning, from field to stream to table. And it was actually in that moment that I decided I wanted to learn to hunt. And I would say that, interestingly, was the beginning of a larger media career because I didn't fit the profile of a typical American hunter in people's minds. You know, I was a, a blonde woman from New York City um, who suddenly was harvesting her own meat for dinner. Um, and so I think that became something that people began to notice. And it was at a time when there was sort of a collective consciousness about our food and where it was coming from. Um, other books were coming out about it. And um, so the timing was was interesting, I think, and that's part of why people took note. Yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of other people might have decided uh, after your turkey venture uh, to just become a vegetarian and you have <laughs> to go out and actually, uh, you know, kill the animals that you're actually going to eat because that's how they get to the plate. Uh, but so I, I saw you put a best-selling book out uh, called Girl Hunter, Revolutionizing the Way We Eat One Hunt at a Time. Is this um, sort of a little bit of the story of you becoming a hunter? Yeah. So that was my second book. And um, that was me telling the journey of deciding not to become a vegetarian and instead sort of explore and pay the full karmic price of the meal. And as a chef, that was a very interesting experience because I really traveled all over the country and even in other parts of the world, experiencing different cultures as it relates to living off the land um, and hunting their food. And, and for a lot of people, it's still truly a way of life. And it wasn't more than a generation ago that, that it was for a lot of families. Um, and it's just interesting to see how times have changed in just one generation that we're so far removed from knowing that chicken is not just a boneless, skinless item wrapped in styrofoam and plastic in the grocery aisle, you know, that it had a, a life. And I think you appreciate your food more when you've really interacted with it in that way. It means more. And I noticed um, you also, uh, as part of your brand, you, you, you mentioned that you uh, help people develop skills for living a self-sufficient life. And I imagine this is part of it. Uh, what other elements uh, besides bringing the, uh, the food from the, uh, from, from, from the fields to the, to the plate, uh, if you will, um, are, are, do you, do you participate in helping people live a more sufficient, uh, self-sufficient life? So this has all happened and evolved very organically. Um, when my second book came out, I started these adventure getaways because I was getting emails from strangers every morning asking, if they could go on an adventure with me and saying things like, I think you can help me. And they would tell me their life stories and, and say that they were going through a similar personal transformation or personal shift and trying to sort of find themselves. And I recognized that there was this desire among many people to disconnect from their own concrete jungle or their own sort of daily routine and find ways to get back in touch with things um, that are outside of us, that are very tangible and closer to our evolutionary beginnings as humans. And so um, I wrote a third book called Modern Pioneering. And that was a book about 
um, teaching people, you know, recipes, projects, and skills for a self-sufficient life and knowing that not everyone's going to have a bunch of land to grow a huge garden on or a field to hunt pheasant in. But there are ways that are even small that we can get back to the land, even if it's growing 25 pounds of potatoes in a garbage bag on your New York City fire escape or making your own butter in your tiny little New York City kitchen. Um, there are ways to practice manual literacy that are deeply fulfilling um, and a wonderful antidote to our technology-driven lives. So there's clearly a, a number of people out there that, that actually want to be inconvenienced by, um, by making their own food this way. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, they, they've, uh, so tell me, though, about that, because, uh, you know, I think a lot of, you know, um, I guess you can attribute it to, to the market, the free market, whatever we want to call it, um, in terms of, you know, we have trading partners all over the world, right? We, uh, food is coming in from all sorts of continents. Uh, and, and even just, you know, right here from all over the country, uh, we go to the grocery store, you know, the whole deal. And, you know, why would we make our own butter when, uh, you know, we could, we can pay for some, someone to make that for us, uh, with, and, and maybe people value the, the time more, but who, but, but with that said, you know, you're clearly tapping into people who want to reconnect with, with, uh, food or with the process of food, um, and I know you had another book as well uh, before that. Was that Food Heroes? Yeah, that was my very first book. So, so what is it about um, people in our modern uh, times now, the ones that, are, that you're kind of connecting with, uh, what is it that distinguishes them from sort of maybe the average person who just says, I'm going to the grocery store to get my food, <laughs> it's, whether it's processed or whether it's uh, Whole Foods and it's a little more organic than – then, you know, or at least it's sold that way. Um, what, tell me a little bit about the people uh, you're reaching uh, and what they're, um, uh, what, th what they're sort of trying to connect with. So my first book, Food Heroes, was about a lot of these types of people. They were 16 people that were living in different parts of the world that had made the choice to change their life and pursue something that they were deeply passionate about in the food category. Um, uh, in part, maybe because they were really stressed or not well, and they just completely changed their lives to pursue something that they were passionate about, whether it was saving the honeybees or making their own olive oil or growing 160 varieties of fig trees. Um, and I think, you know, part of what my audience has, um, gathered around is this, is this idea that, um, Living a, a slower life, even in small doses, when you have a moment, um, it allows us to be better human beings on this earth. Uh, you know, I think, I think that, um, for example, when I'm outside in nature, I'm more present in a way that I'm not in my daily life. I see differently. I smell differently. I hear differently. I taste differently. Um, and I think that when people have that experience, it ignites a, a part of them that really changes them. Uh, the women that come on my adventure getaways, for example, become hooked and they go back to their lives and they, they make really profound changes. And I think because our lives have become so fast paced, they've become so technology driven, um, the news alerts, the voice messages, the text messages on your phone, just constantly being in a reactive state um, that's not natural for, for humans. And I think, um, 
when you're able to tap back into some of those things that are natural, it's incredibly invigorating. It's, it's very healing. It's very uh, centering. And the more people experience that, the more they want a piece of that. So what I do is just give people little doses of it, ways to access it that work for them um, in many different forms. Well, that's great. Um, so Georgia, you, um, you know, you went to culinary school, you talked about, uh, sort of, uh, getting, uh, thrown in right away to some, uh, you know, really high level, uh, restaurants, professional restaurants, uh, New York city, a little bit outside New York. Um, and then also these books you've written, um, how, I know you have a website, uh, georgiapellegrini.com. Uh, when you were saying, uh, earlier about people reaching out to you and connecting with you, what was it that you first did to sort of start building uh, your brand and your identity uh, to where you started building this fan base? So it was never really, uh, you know, people call my life a brand and it's always been very hard to hear that because it's my life and it really happened in an organic way. But I really was just sharing my story. Uh, I started a website that was just my name and I was chronicling my journey, uh, whether it was learning to hunt, whether it was cooking at a restaurant in the south of France, whether it was gardening and coming up with recipes. Um, you know, it's it's really been a, a slow process for 10 years now, where every, almost daily in a lot of cases, I've posted to my website and people have gone there as a place uh, to find interesting recipes, to find tutorials, to learn what I call pioneer skills, whether it's building your own planter box for your backyard or, um, you know, making uh, something out of herbs that you've grown. Um, it's just a resource and a tool for people that's free. And it's a community. And so on social media, people have started to come together around those ideas uh, as well, you know, as a sort of an extension of the website. Yeah, so I know you're on all the social media from Facebook <laughs> and Instagram to YouTube and Twitter and yeah, Pinterest. I do it all. You do. And then, you I guess know, I have to. I know you've been, you've had so many um, media appearances, yeah. uh, you know, some of this is highlighted on your website, um, from being on Jimmy Kimmel to the Today Show, um, you know, we've all seen some of the, uh, the great cooks that some of these uh, sort of variety shows have on, and you've been one of them. Tell me about the experience of going <laughs> on some of these uh, shows and how uh, they found you. It's been interesting to see uh, just how much a lot of this has resonated and I just think it's a reflection of the times that we're in. And, you know, I, I never really set out on this to, um, even be on television. It was really me doing what made me happy and what I was passionate about. And I think when you find that thing, um, people are interested in, in that people are interested in things that people are, other people are passionate about and learning about them. And so, yeah, I mean, I heard, I got Jimmy Kimmel reached out to me, <laughs> not personally, but you know, someone over there. And, um, it was wonderful. We made wild boar meatballs together on his show and it was hilarious. And he's actually loves food. He's a great cook himself. And he happens to be personally passionate about food and cooking and entertaining. And, and so I think that's sort of what interested him. And I think, I, like I said, in the beginning, I don't really fit the profile of the typical American hunter in people's minds. There's a lot of cliches around what it means to be someone who lives off the land and, and loves the outdoors. And so I think I was putting a new face on that for people and suddenly it became relatable to them because if I could do it, why couldn't they? Um, and so that was part of, I think, why I got such national media attention. 
Well, and I guess because you've been on so many programs, uh, someone decided, why don't we give her her own <laughs> television show? So coming up on June 23rd, uh, you're going to, the, the pilot of your, your new show, which is going to be on the uh, Destination America channel, uh, is uh, your new show, Wild Food. Tell us a little bit about uh, the show and what we should expect. Yeah, it's been quite a journey. It's but about two years in the making for this particular show. Um, and, you know, I had had opportunities along the way, but I really felt strongly that I didn't want to be, you know, real housewives in, in the woods or anything gimmicky. I really wanted it to Doug be a Dynasty. show. <laughs> yeah, whatever those shows are that sometimes I think are kind of becoming caricatures of people or making fun of people or embarrassing people. For me, I, I felt like, I wanted to do a show that added real value to people's lives, added joy to their life that was productive and contributing in some meaningful way. And, and so, um, you know, I, it's been a two years in the making. It's been an, a, an amazing, wonderful, hard, um, trying process. And I've learned a lot in the, along the way. But um, it's basically, the show is called Wild Food. It's about me going out into different cultures around the world, meeting um the locals and going on an adventure with them, usually multiple adventures. Um, in the pilot episode, we are in the Louisiana Bayou and we go on all kinds of crazy wild food adventures. I scale the wall of a fort surrounded by water. I, mm-hmm. I go hunting off of an airboat. I go, I go bow hunting in the dark, um, for alligator gar, um, there's something for everyone. I think it's the kind of thing is that, that women all in the and, pilot. Yeah. Oh yeah. So and, how long, and, how long and is more. each episode? It's an hour episode. Um, and, and what I love about it is that at the end of each episode, I teach people how to cook it all. So it's truly valuable, valuable, useful takeaways that you can integrate into your own lives. Um, so it's, it's useful recipes and, and you meet the local cultures, you hear their stories. Um, and it's, you know, us breaking bread together at the end of each episode, which like I said, is a great unifier and, um, I think it'll be educational and I think it'll be something people will laugh about. It's, there's a lot of adrenaline inducing moments. Um, but the goal with this is that it would be something that men and women could sit down together and really enjoy. And I think that's, that's what it'll do. Well, I hate to caricature you, but it kind of reminds me when you say breaking bread at the end, it kind of reminds me of at the end of each duck dynasty episode where they sit down and say, <laughs> say a prayer, but they're all okay. around food as well. Um, yeah. and, yeah. uh, so that's, uh, that's great. Um, I hope that um, your show will be successful. I know that it's really important that the show's ratings are yes. good, especially at the beginning, especially that pilot yes. episode. So we hope people will tune in June 23rd. What time does it air? 10 p.m.? It, it, it airs 10 p.m. Eastern time, 9 p.m. Central time. And we're going to be doing live. I'm going to be live tweeting during it using the hashtag I love wild food. And we're going to be doing giveaways during the airing. So I've been encouraging people, if they don't have the, the channel, they can have a watch party at a friend's house who does, or you can log in uh, online with some, with, you have to have cable TV login, but you can log in online and watch it there if you're not going to be in front of a TV at, at destinationamerica.com. Um, but yeah, social media engagement and, um, and obviously viewership is really crucial for the pilot. So, so any, are there, um, are there Twitter accounts and all that for yes. you and for the show? Yeah, so my Twitter is G Pellegrini, and Destination America's Twitter account is Dest America. <laughs> yeah. um, 
and Instagram and Facebook are the, are both of our full names, Destination America and Georgia Pellegrini. And yeah, I've been encouraging people to get the word out, tell people that they're tuning in, join in for the watch party and there'll be giveaways. And, you know, I think it's a really great opportunity for people to have celebrate the outdoors together, um, celebrate cultures, nature, travel, uh, food recipes. Um, and I really do think there's something for everyone. It's, adventure packed and there's some really funny moments too well and i know that um you know you posted this on your on your web page about um you originally had this commission with the travel channel what almost two years ago and yep. um and and uh um i guess uh tell me the story of that and and are you also now on i know this is a this is one of their um other channels that they own right yeah, it's kind of been a crazy time in the TV world. We were actually supposed to premiere on the Travel Channel on May uh, 14th. And right as that was about to happen, um, the merger, Discovery purchased scripts. Discovery Networks are a bunch of networks, and Scripps owns Food Network, Travel Channel, uh, HGTV, and many more. So Discovery bought scripts. The FCC pr approved the merger almost uh, right before, I guess it was, we were about to air. And all of our executives got replaced and there was a huge upheaval and a lot of shifting happened. And so it was a confusing time for a lot of people, but our pilot got moved to a different network, which we're very grateful for. And in, in, in large part, it was due to the fans just insisting that they get to see it. A lot of commotion on social media, which I'm so grateful for. I mean, to me, I'm having the community that uh, I've built over the past 10 years is what it's all about. And I'm just so grateful for that community and the fact that people really want to see the show and are excited to see it. Um, Travel Channel hadn't had a, a female host in 14 years, which is hard to believe. Um, so, uh, but I'm, I'm thrilled to be on Destination America. So, Well, that's fantastic. Um, well, so you're, you're breaking through a lot of barriers here, and, uh, and this is going to be a fun show. Um, I know just from, from knowing you a, a little bit, I do. Uh, over the years, um, you're just an all-around fun person, and you seem to really <laughs> know how to tap into uh, everyone's interest, food, wine, whiskey, hunting, <laughs> you know, whatever, and, and you're just ready to take people on whatever adventures <laughs> they want to go on, um, because you've just, it seems like you've also just been uh, responsive completely to uh, your audience. Like, you are your own person, and that's what they're connecting with. And you've uh, you've you've got as you mentioned, you know, your life has become a brand um, because people are attracted to that. And but what is it about what you've been? You've also responded to the audience, and you know, that's you know, the, the customer's always right type of thing. Um, <laughs> how how what have you done? What have you kind of seen in how when your audience reacts to you that you, where you've? I know the adventure getaways was like a really good example, something you did because it was sort of something they they asked for. But how would you? Um, recommend to other entrepreneurial folks out there about tapping into um, what what their audiences want? Well, I think, um, you know, first and foremost, I, I see so many people sort of trying to create a brand um, that they think is working elsewhere rather than figuring out what works for them. And so for me, like I had to recognize very early on, what do I get joy from? What, what, I, what do I really like and enjoy and who am I? Um, and not try to sort of turn into what everyone else wants me to be. And so that is always hard for people, but I think it's really important because authenticity is the only thing that matters at the end of the day. 
audiences are smart, people are smart, and they want to connect with something that they feel is authentic. Um, so that's the number one most important thing. And, you know, in a way, it's a niche community that I've built, but I think that that's wonderful. You know, you only need a thousand true fans to build that community. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I'm doing what I love. I'm living the life um, that I want to live. And I think um, when you get to connect with other people and add something to their lives, um, that's the reason to jump out of bed in the morning. So I always encourage people to figure out what that thing is that makes them want to jump out of bed in the morning. Well, great. Well, Georgia, I want to um, kind of come in here for a landing here soon because uh, we really, uh, I, I know you've, you've uh, really given us a lot of your time. One of the uh, questions I like to ask um, in the last four or five episodes here of the Agents of Innovation podcast, I recently read a book um, by Ben Sass. Uh, he's a U.S. senator, but the book really wasn't about politics. It was called The Vanishing American Adult, uh, very cultural. And one of the things he says he likes to ask people he meets uh, is what their first job was. And I, um, I thought, you know, I really think this is perfect for the podcast because <laughs> we're talking to a lot of entrepreneurs. And so I want to ask you what your first job was and um, if you've taken any way, any learning uh, experiences from that or anything you've applied uh, to the rest of your life or your jobs, uh, feel free to share that as well. It's a great question. Um, I have to go way back then. Uh, way my back. You <laughs> the beginning. It might be, you might have been a kid. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Uh, my first job was working at my grandmother's toy store. Um, growing up and I worked there for most of my childhood, probably almost until I got to college. She was an incredible woman, a true renegade, uh, always worked for herself. And she had this incredible toy store where she would create these sets and these displays. And, um, there was nothing like it. It was like this old fashioned wonderland. And she was someone who I spent a ton of time with. It was a huge influence on me. She was a pioneer in her own right, uh, used her hands um, well and in her creativity. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot about business uh, meets creativity in that in that experience growing up with her and, and entrepreneurship for sure. And I remember uh, reading in some of your reading that you said you you uh, you got s some of your uh, some of your roots go back to things you've learned from your grandmother. Yeah, I would say a lot of a lot of my roots do. Yeah. She was a wild woman, and um, I wish she was still around, but, but she's there was no one like her. All right. Well, uh, a wild woman is is the grandmother, and I don't know, maybe Georgia Pellegrini is a wild woman. She's definitely got a show called Wild Food, <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll have to take that as some inspiration. And uh, for those listening, um, I know you can visit georgiapellegrini.com uh, for all things Georgia and every social media uh, platform you could think of probably uh, Georgia is on so just type her name into uh, your social media uh, or into your Google search bar or however you find uh, people and Georgia's there um, and we're gonna look for your show on June 23rd and um, just wanted to give you a last word here uh, before we close the podcast anything else you'd like to uh, share with the audience no I appreciate your time this has been wonderful I love your podcast and um yeah, tune in June 23rd, 10 p.m., 9 p.m. Central, Destination America. And I'd love to hear what people think. So I hope they'll reach out to me and give their input, um, tell us where they think that we should go next on the show. I love hearing from the audience and, and engaging with them. 
Well, I am going to be the first to do that, and I haven't even watched the show yet, but just seeing the little <laughs> bit on, on there, um, you've got a little, your, your first episode's going to be in Louisiana, so this mm-hmm. isn't going to be too far different if I suggest the Florida Everglades. I think it's pretty wild okay. out there. Um, I, I, Florida's been on our list for sure, actually, so I'll have to pick your brain some more soon. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you, Georgia, so much for being on the Agents of Innovation podcast. Thank you. Try to make this home